The following program contains language and subject matter that you may consider unsuitable for children. Parental discretion is advised. Let me down. believe in him verbal Keaton always said I don't believe in God but I'm afraid of him well I believe in God and the only thing that scares me is but I'm afraid of him well I believe in God and the only thing that scares me is but I'm afraid of him but I'm afraid of him you people understand the psychology of dealing with a highway traffic to another exciting episode inside my head and one of the voices inside my head tonight is jamie from florida ufo what's up buddy how are you doing tonight i'm doing great and i always love being inside your head brother yes it's a fun <laughs> place isn't it <laughs> oh man what a great 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 show we have for you guys tonight and the oh, chat yeah. is a buzzing already look at how many people we have in the chat look at that Listen, 18 people on the show just started oh man Everybody that's listening now, keep keep listening because there's going to be a huge announcement. Oh yes! In fact, uh, let's welcome first Laura or A T C N A P to the chat. Welcome Laura uh, to the Hello, chat. Laura. Hopefully, you have a great time with the show tonight. Welcome to all our uh, wow! Look at all the guest users on here. I guess uh, the word spread <laughs> around that we're going to have I'm a blessed. big big guest out tonight. I know you, you blasted a lot of people you were saying, right? Yeah, I sent out a hundred a hundred emails uh to all UFO friends. Just blasted one huge email out there. I guess uh Travis Walton pulls him in plus our big announcement, so Oh yes. That's right. You just let the cat out of the bag. Travis Walton is gonna be our guest on tonight. 
He's going to join us in about, oh, half an hour once uh, UFONAT radio is over. Uh, reason for that, of course, is because, you know, UFONAT is our buddy over here, and mm-hmm. we support each other, man. We never ho- we never have a guest on at the same time he has his on out of, you know, mutual respect for Jesse Randolph, who's a good friend of the show. Uh, so once his show ends, uh, hopefully everybody who's over there can come on over to our show here and enjoy an hour and a half of talk with Travis Walton, Mr. Fire in the Sky himself. And, Jamie, I know you know what's been going on behind the scenes. I don't really uh, want to talk about it too much, you know, but uh, I want to say that Travis Walton is, def- Travis Walton is definitely a gentleman. Uh, I had a, a, about a 30, almost a 40-minute conversation with him tonight. And uh, the guy is a super nice man, and I'm so excited to have him on the show. I don't think I've been this excited ever on Block Talk Radio, man. Yeah, well, just think, uh, you know, hopefully our problems will go away pretty soon. Oh, yes. And once that announcement is uh, kicked off, folks, you're going to be blown to smithereens. Well, there you go, brother. Because it's big. Oh, yeah. It's big. Oh, it's oh, life-changing. Oh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
tonight on the Jackal's Head. We're going to be giving away DVDs. I want the best callers for Travis tonight to win some DVDs. <laughs> everybody to the jackal's head here with you again is the jackal and my homeboy for tonight my friend jamie we're back yes hey there was a a, a, yeah very good there was a strange incident over norway last night that uh, a lot of people have been talking about Uh, when i first pick up some news then go for it yeah when i first saw the uh, photos i mean the photo looks 100% 100% fake, but it's been authenticated. Uh, it says, This morning in the Arctic Norway, onlookers were stunned when a gigantic luminous spiral formed in the northern sky. We're used to seeing lots of auroras here in Norway, but this was different, says Nick Van Burry of Harstead, who witnessed the phenomenon on his way to work between 7.50 and 8 a.m. local time. 
the first reaction of many, many readers when they see this picture is that it's photoshopped. Uh, so surely it must be a fake, but no, many independent observers didn't photograph the, the apparition. It's real. How do they determine if it's real or not? I mean, uh, uh, well, Photoshop was, it looks really good. Yeah, there was a lot of eyewitnesses that seen it. This is a fake photo. It has to be. It it might be a recreation of what it looked like or something, but right. um, you know, you guys can see it from the link I posted there in the chat. If you scroll up a little bit, but I can post it again right now. Very interesting story. Any other uh, UFO related news for the week? Well, I mean. Uh, <clears throat> The whole week's just pretty much been covered with, uh, you know, the UK and the MOD dropping its hotline and its uh, UFO investigation unit. Um, that's pretty much been it. Uh, we did a skywatch last night here in Florida. Uh, we observed between six to nine objects. Uh, got some footage, no no real close ones, but uh, we did get some good footage. So Anything uh, doing any crazy maneuvers, like, you know? No, not, not last so, night, to tell you the no. truth. No, not last night. Well, the the strangest thing that happened last night was two of them were, were coming straight at each other from the south and the, and the north. Right. And uh, Dave, Dave can verify this. They, they looked like they were going to collide with each other, but they just passed right by each other, just kept going. That was the strangest happening of the night. It wasn't really an active night uh, compared to what we yeah. Yeah, I want to see that. You're going to upload yeah. that on YouTube, right? Yep, my YouTube channel is youtube.com forward slash user forward slash J-A-M-I-E-S 941. There you go, I'll brother. That. I'll put it here in the, <laughs> I'll put it here in the uh, chat. And, and now uh, let's give them uh, some big, big news. I think we've teased enough. What do you think? Um... Or you want to tease a little yeah. bit? Yeah, me too. Let's give him a hint. All right. There's a lady in the chat room who's uh, involved uh, with the uh, big news. Yes. Her name is Laura. Very lovely lady. And uh, actually, I spoke to her tonight for the first time, and it was an honor and a pleasure on uh, my part to speak to her. And uh, Jamie, take it away. Ah, well, let's see. Uh, a lot of Was that an impersonation know. of the other guy or? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of our listeners know that uh, we've been working on the Skywatchers Radio uh, Network, but uh, me and the Jackals had Florida UFOs, and uh, you know I can't speak for Jesse and UFO not, but we're trying to bring him aboard. Uh, we're going to come together and take over Channel Four on the Paranormal TV Network. So that's huge news. We're actually going to be doing shows Monday through Friday um, on the network itself. I will drop the link in here for you guys to check it out. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna set up. We have to do some training. We have to sign some paperwork, and uh, we're hoping to get started next Monday, the 14th. And then it's moving on up to the big sky. To the deluxe apartment in the sky, like the Jetsons, you know? <laughs> Not so much like the oh, Jetsons, yeah. but like the Jetsons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
ParanormalTVNetwork.com. You know, I was impressed when uh, what's-his-name was on that network uh, a while back, but, uh, you know, you know, it's kind of good that he left because now we could really help, you know, re-energize ufology a little bit over there and bring yeah, out well, new blood into ufology and what it needs. Uh, you know, we're going to get into a lot of serious topics. In fact, I'm going to ask uh, our, our guest tonight, uh, Mr. Travis Walton, if he wants to come back later on uh, once we are on the network and, uh, you know, do an interview there because Travis Walton is probably the best case of alien abduction ever. His That's case is a phenomenal case. And, uh, you know, I'm blessed and honored that he's going to be on my show tonight. And, again, I thank him from the bottom of my heart, you know, for doing this show tonight. But if he's uh, if he's okay with it and if he uh, likes, uh, you know, the show tonight and he agrees to do the show over there, look forward to that because that's going to be great. Yeah, we have a lot of huge guests coming up. Uh, we've had a lot of huge guests in the past, and uh, they've always said they'll come back on any time. So. So I think we can make this one work. In fact, uh, speaking of huge guests, on the 17th we're going to have on here on my show uh, none other than Stanton Friedman. And uh, we got off the phone with him a little while ago tonight also. Great yep. guy, man. Uh, super nice man. And uh, he's going to be on the show. We're going to talk about Roswell. Yep, that day I'm also having Michael Cohan on. Uh, the oh, show's going to... Back. Yep, back-to-back shows starting at... Uh, Let's see, 10 o'clock, and then uh, you're going to have Stanton on at 11.30. Yes, sir. Now that oh, is back-to-back yeah. radio. Yep. You can't beat that, man. Look, look, at, look at that combination now. Imagine that with a little bit of video streaming over. I'm having Jerry, Jerry Pippins coming on the 15th on my show. Uh, that's going to be – that's like my Travis Walton to you. You know, he's uh, – He's a, a huge broadcaster. He's been broadcasting hey, since he's in junior high. So, Don't get me wrong. I have the utmost respect for Terry Pippen. I, I said on the show here you know, not too long ago, if you don't know who Terry Pippen is, you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> because uh, that man is a living legend. I mean, he's on the same realm with like Art Bell and some of the great hosts on radio. Oh, yeah. Yep, I, I got my I look forward to that episode. As a fan, I look forward to that episode with him on, on your show. Yeah, it's going to be great. Um, I actually went on Dean's show. Dean had him on for his 70th birthday special. And uh, went on and talked talked to him a little bit. And a really great guy. I found out he had been following my show and stuff. And uh, I was kind of flattered to find out he had been following my show and and my website. If uh, if I would have found out that Jerry Pippen was following my show, I could just die right after that because, you know, that, come on. Yeah, don't get no better. It doesn't get much better. I mean, for broadcasting, it doesn't get much better if you're into this kind of broadcasting. I mean, Jerry Pippen, our goal of tops in the game ever. So, you know, that's uh, an honor. But listen, I got to get uh, Travis on the line here shortly. You going to stick around for uh, the interview here with Travis? Yeah, I'll stick around. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be online the whole show, but I will stick around. I won't. I want you to, uh, you know, do your thing, but I'll be here. If I come up with any questions, I'll just pop in. Awesome. Do that. I'm going to go ahead and uh, play a song, and then when we come back, you're going to hear a little clip from the movie Fire in the Sky, and we will have Travis Walton right after that. So stay tuned. We'll be right back, and it's going to be a heck of a ride. I can guarantee you that much.
Me too. Now, let's see. What should we leave them with? Let's play some... What about sunrise? What about rain? What about all the things that you said we were to gain? What about killing fear? Is there a time? What about all the things that you said was yours and mine? Did you ever stop and notice all the blood we shed before? Did you ever stop and notice the crying girls we
does it think? What makes it move? Why does it breathe? Questions anyone would ask about a man if they'd never seen one before. So for five days, a man was borrowed. Five other witnesses told was so unbelievable, so unimaginable, that it has become the most famous case of UFO abduction ever reported. Yeah, you want me to beam him up? Yeah, can you tell uh, Snotty to beam him up real quick? All right. Hey, beam him up. All right. Yes, sir. Immediately, sir. Travis, I know you're there. I'm here. Thank you so much for being there, sir. Welcome to the show. Thank you. This is, uh, you know, your first time here on Jackal's Head. I wanted to give you a nice, you know, welcome. Uh, we have a lot of people in the chat room. They're really excited to have you on the show. Um, you know, I spoke to you earlier tonight, and, uh, again, I want to thank you so much from the bottom of my heart uh, for being on the show here. And with me here is my co-host, uh, Jamie from Florida UFO. Uh, he's going to be on with us tonight. Yes, it's uh, nice to meet you, Travis, and uh, it's exciting to have you on. It's going to be a great night. Yeah. Now, Travis, uh, I know everybody knows the story. Uh, you know, it'd be kind of silly to you know go back and just tell the story over again. But as we all know, you know, in 1975, uh, you were a logger who was actually abducted by aliens. You were there with a crew of your friends and you know coworkers, and the abduction happened. Uh, let's go back a little bit to that time. You know, let's just get right into it, and uh, let's go to that time period. Uh, right before you got out of that truck, what were you thinking? Well, um, it started out uh, that we were all just packed up uh, into the crew truck and we're headed home after a day's work. So, you know, we're just thinking about uh, getting a chance to get a shower and and some dinner and get to bed, you know. But uh, we, uh, as we were driving down this road, we uh, saw this glow coming through the trees which wasn't particularly uh, alarming at first but uh, the closer we got the uh, stranger it seemed and uh, so it, uh, it really looked like a fire though right in the middle of the woods right I mean it literally looked like a fire well at first we thought maybe it was like a campfire or like some hunters camped out you know right 
because you know the ridge uh, the ridge top sort of paralleled the road and that was to our right but then we realized that uh, the light was coming from higher uh, you know like above the ridge top so you know I was thinking it might be a crashed plane and later on some of the other guys said that they thought something like that uh, was the case but uh, finally you know uh, Somebody said, what's that, you know, and then, you know, we started communicating about what it was because at first we just noticed it and, and you know, didn't really think anybody else noticed it. It just kind of grew right. as something uh, very out of place. But we could see ahead uh, in, in the darkening uh, evening that the, the, there was a break in the trees that was allowing the, the light uh, from this thing to to wash across the road ahead so uh when we got up you know we could see little glimmers through the trees but when we got through this uh, into this opening uh there was a, a clearing to the right where we could see uh where the light was coming from and we saw this object hovering there and uh one of the guys in the back uh, i think it was alan dallas yelled out it's a flying saucer right off the bat uh, I mean, this this in response to, you know, skeptics who said that, well, we just saw, you know, a point of light off in the sky, like the right. Jupiter or something. This was a, a metallic object, a disc-shaped uh, thing hovering, outlined against the sky, you know, less than 100 feet away. Um, now, uh, I've actually, I've read the parts of the book, I've read the book, and in the book, the object is described differently from what we saw in the movie. Uh, explain how the object was different because I know in the movie they portrayed it almost like a volcanic eruption on the bottom of the ship, which is kind of silly. But well, you know, we said it looked like molten metal. But, right. You know, that's like the metal from a blast furnace, which is right, white hot, golden, golden hot, uh, and giving off light in a kind of a you know a fuzzy sort of a way, a soft glow. Uh, but they, you know, had it look like molten lava, which, you know, really wasn't like that. But, uh, you know, it was, uh, it it, it kind of lit up the area, uh, the glow from it. It just kind of made everything look kind of strange, you know. Yeah. When you, when you actually pulled up to the craft itself, though, I mean, you must have been thinking to yourself, oh, my God. What is this thing? Uh, was your first instinct just to jump out of the out of the truck, or, or did, yeah, you know, it was just uh, you know pure instinct, right? That was because I was thinking that it was going to take off, yeah, almost immediately. So it was really a, a little bit curiosity and a little bit showing off to the crew. But I mean, the closer I got, the more, you know, the more I realized that it wasn't leaving, and that uh, you know this was a foolish move. I tried to, you know, save face and kept going, but I slowed down quite a bit. And the, the crew was getting pretty excited, and this part of the movie was pretty accurate. Yeah. Uh, uh, they were screaming and swearing at me to get away from there. Uh, but uh, when it when it got louder and started to move is when I dove for cover. And um, there was a big pile of logging debris there, and there was a big log sticking up there, and I hid behind that. And uh, they were yelling at me to get away from there. And um, I was trying to 
figure out, you know, I was kind of torn between the safety of my hiding place and, <laughs> and the safety of the truck. But, yeah. you know, I'd pretty much made up my mind to get the hell out of there and get get back to the truck. But uh, uh, so when I raised up to go, uh, you know, at that point, I just felt this shock go through my body uh, like I'd been hit, you know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I've heard you say that, that, uh, it could have been maybe a discharge because you got too close and that might have been a force field there or something, or, uh, it could have been that they just shocked you to knock you out because you got too close to their ship and they just got upset with you. Yeah, who knows? You know, um, it could have been a byproduct of the, of the propulsion system, Mm -hmm. especially since it was getting louder and moving, that there might have been some increase in power that caused that, or just the fact that my upper body was uh, the closest thing. It and the ground, that you know, some kind of discharge yeah. there, or and not only that, I mean, the people who see crop circles and investigate them notice the, the radiation around the crop circles. Uh, it could have just been a radiation field that you stepped right into, and and that's what really caused the discharge the radiation itself. Uh, especially if it's coming off that glow you're talking about, that almost sounds like a radiation glow. Well, like if it could like ionize the air in some way right. or charge it, you know, that would provide a path that would, uh, you know, look for some way to, to ground out. But anyway, you know, years later, one of the crew, uh, Dwayne Smith, he became an electrician, and, and he was telling oh, he? then that uh, he said that it sounded really electrical to him. Mm. And, uh, but, you know, we got we got a hold of the uh, police file, you know, and their records uh, in interviewing the men. Uh, some of them described it as just... Uh, a foot-wide beam of energy, but one of them described it as looking like a long blue flame. Oh wow! Whether it was whether it was lightning or, or, or a laser beam, or uh, it was just a powerful uh, energy. They said that was just blinding and and, and just you know powerful. It, it, and it's amazing how people in, you know have the same experience, and each one of you, each one of them. Uh, kind of described it a little bit different, even though they all had the same experience at the same time. That's always funny yeah. how the human mind does that to you. Yeah, you get, you know, ten people see a car accident, they're yeah. all going to a little bit different. But, you know, you can piece it together. And, and uh, you know, this was just a, just this powerful blast. But the main thing was the the way it threw me back through the air, that they immediately concluded that it killed me. And they even said so to each other, and that was where all this screaming for get us out of here came from, because you know they figured they were next. Yeah. And it also well, who can came, blame them? <laughs> well, you know, and I don't blame them, but my yeah. family was upset with them that they, you know, would save themselves. But it was the only sensible thing that if they thought that I had been killed, and they, you know, that's not going to do do me any good to go pick me up i'm already dead and yeah. and you know they're going to wind up with the same fate so no, in, you know, in fact travis uh you know one part of the movie that i really love is a scene when you're at mike rogers at the end uh talk after you know there's some time period that's gone between you two between you, talk, you guys talking and you guys get to talk again and you tell them i understand you know i, I always found that to be like the most human part of the movie uh just i really love that part it just really showed that you and him really are that close are you and him? Uh, I'm sure you guys are still close today, right? Well, we've had our days, you know. There's been there was a, kind of a blow up, and there was years where we didn't talk. But 
You know, he was hospitalized here uh, three or four weeks ago, and oh my. I, I went to see him. Uh, you know, it's just uh, um, that kind of relationship. Uh, um, but uh, was that scene always tried that to, scene You know, I don't think he's ever gotten over the idea that he wished he'd have been more heroic, you know? Yeah. And my my family kind of brought that down on him, but you know, various people, you know, have have hinted at that. You know, some people have come right out and said, "Well, I wouldn't run off and leave my friend. What a rat!" You know. Right, right. And that's not fair. You know, he was brave enough to come back with the the the, the sheriff and his men that night. And you know, that's something they didn't put in the movie. Right. But, yeah. But him and and Ken and and Alan, you know, uh, um, agreed to go back with the sheriff when you know the the, the other three said well, I ain't never going back there again, you know. And uh, I think uh, only one of them really kept that promise, but you know that was uh, Steve. Uh, for years, you know, his family said that he didn't even like to go outside at night, you know, it was just, it really had oh, wow. a strong effect on him. No, I mean, no. an experience like that, I, I can imagine, to see something like that, I mean, that that that, that shakes your whole entire foundation of what reality is, to go through yeah, And most like of that. us really looked at it as, as a negative intrusion into our lives, I, I'd say all of us at first, but one guy, um, I don't think I'll say who it was, but, you know, as the years went by, he, he came to think that maybe he had uh, missed out on something, that he wished it had happened to him. Oh, wow. And uh, this one crew member actually went back and camped out at the site on the anniversary of the event, you know, hoping that there would be a repeat. But, you know, I told him, man, you, you don't want it. You know, let's talk about that a little bit, about the actual, you know, abduction itself. Uh, because, you know, reading the book and seeing the movie, there's two different tales uh, that were told. Uh, in the book, of course, you know, you describe a human-looking uh, being that actually brings some comfort to you after the initial aliens kind of scared the living bejesus out of you. Yeah, uh, yeah, I thought I was rescued. Yeah, that's what I got when I read the book also. I was like, oh, man, he thought he was going to be rescued, and look at that. But uh, why didn't they portray the human-looking people on the movie? I mean, I've been kicking around here on the show that question because to me, there's a big, uh, it's a big thing now with human-looking aliens in a lot of these cases, like Billy Myers' case, uh, your case, uh, to name to name just two. But there's you know other cases where human-looking aliens are involved. Uh, do you think that maybe the studios suppress that information because they might you know be aware that? There really are aliens that look just like us out there in the sky. You know, everybody's well. You know, of... I've heard that theory a lot, and there yeah. might be something to that. But I think it partly just has to do with, you know, they're looking for the more sensational aspect, and and the malevolent monster, you know, is is what they tried to play up, and uh, they're not alone in that. I, I going back, you know, I've done a number of interviews in which I. Uh, related the entire uh, set of events, and uh, they would leave that uh, human uh, aspect, the human-looking beings, out of the story completely. Time and again, many interviews that I've done, all they talk about is uh, these uh, 
creatures. So, so and to me, that's the funny thing is to me that's actually probably probably the most interesting part of the story, the fact that the human-looking being uh, actually brought a little comfort to you. But not only that, that there is actually an alien that looks just like us, uh, which really that I mean, if the, the the abduction itself didn't shake your foundation of what reality is. That but, moment know, in time. Whatever the human-looking beings were, whether they were, you know, an extension of some Earth-based agency mm -hmm. or, or you know, something that they've uh, extracted from our population or created by them or or we're their descendants or or whatever, you know. To me, the presence of those human-looking beings, you know, it could be the key to the whole thing. And for those oh, yeah. who ignore it, is just you know, perplexing to me, but then there's, there's been a lot of things about this case that have uh, kind of uh, got an um, inappropriately disproportionate amount of attention or lack of it. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because uh, uh, I don't know if, you've, if you're familiar in detail with the Sumerians and the Anunnaki and, you know, Planet X and all that stuff that Zachariah Sitchin speaks about, uh, but the Anunnaki look humanoid or look like humans. Uh, that's why I always thought that, you know, maybe, you know, what you got actually abducted by were the Anunnaki themselves. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people have been saying, especially in the last decade or so, that the greys or the typical grey aliens are actually nothing more than worker aliens or almost robotic symbiote aliens, uh, that this is really, then they're being controlled by the Anunnaki. I don't know if you've heard that theory yourself, but could that possibly be the case, you think? Well, um you know, um, my way of coping with the trauma of what happened to me has been to a large extent to sort of avoid the subject. So, you know, you might be surprised, but I, I'd never even heard of Anunnaki until this last week. I got an email. And oh, really? Yeah, it's, it's kind of new to me. Oh, man, you really uh, You know what, I'm going to send you an email later on with some uh, videos uh, so you can check them out when you have some time. I mean, it's it's... An amazing story. The Anunnaki supposedly seeded all life on Earth, and I don't know if you've heard of Zachariah Sitchin, but he's been uh, researching yeah, this for like yeah, he's been researching it for the last forty years, maybe more years, and he's pretty much decoded the entire language, you know, along with other scholars who've helped him out. Uh, basically, they're saying the Bible's translation of the beginning of time is pretty much lifted from the Anunnaki's uh, story written by the Sumerians. Uh, you know, everything from Adam and Eve, everything. It was done by aliens called the Anunnaki that came from Planet X. Uh, it's, a, it's a fascinating story, if it's real. And, of course, Sumerians were the first civilization that lived on planet Earth uh, that we know about. They actually lived in what is now today called Iraq, uh, which, again, if you want to look into conspiracies, why are we in Iraq fighting a war? This might be the reason if 2012 really might be something big that has to do with the Anunnaki, uh, we might want to know what's going on with Samaria and who the Anunnaki are. So this might be the reason why we're in Iraq, if not only for oil and, and money, you know. Well, it sounds like something I ought to pay more attention to. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm going to send you some emails. You're definitely going to enjoy the uh, the films, especially uh, the stuff where Zechariah Sitchin is explaining who the Anunnaki are. It's, it's just fascinating. It's just a historical fact, which is you know, a great thing. Uh, you can go back in a lot of history books, and you can find out bits and pieces of information of, the stuff he's put together in his work. Um, but here, back to your case, there's a part in the movie that really tripped me out when I saw it, and I actually started talking about it earlier when we were on the phone. It's a scene where you're in the movie and you're actually going through what looks like an exhaust tube or some kind of a tube trying to escape the aliens. 
uh, my question is always, you know, Ben, did that really happen the, the way they showed it in the movie? Because no, that tripped me it out. wasn't. It wasn't exactly like that. You know, the passage. Uh, it, it, I was in this curving passageway, but it was more like a hallway. In the movie, they made things look kind of uh, organic and cluttered, but it was really a very metallic and very uh, smooth, uh, featureless uh, interior to the craft. And uh, so, you know, sorry about that, folks. We got disconnected by Block Talk Radio. There, I'm going to get Travis back on the line. right back and we're back on the air sorry about that Travis okay uh, where where did I lose it uh, you left off where you were going off the uh, the exhaust pipe and everything was actually more metallic and more neat and not as cluttered as okay. the movie well it, you know the, it was curving it was a kind of a circular hallway so I couldn't see very far behind me to see if they were catching up to me and I couldn't see very far ahead of me to see if I was running into even more trouble so that kind of led me into a kind of a real, kind of a strange feeling while I'm panicked and, and bolting down this passageway. I, I didn't know, you know, whether to pour on the gas or the brakes. <laughs> that, so I kind of mentally one foot on the gas and one foot on the brakes. Well, I can imagine. And it, it, the funny thing is, of course, you know, if something like that is happening, I mean, really, where could you run? You're inside their ship. That's, yeah. that's, the, that's the part of very, it. Very trapped feeling. Oh know. yeah, <laughs> it was it was so small and so uh, humid, and I was having trouble breathing. Very cramped, dimly lit, and uh, it just had this really claustrophobic. It was just terrifying. I just felt like I had to get out of here. Got to get out of here. Uh, Listen, I got a, a question here from the chat, and I'm going to ask you real quick. Uh, they want to know about the alien suits in the movie. Was that real? Did that actually, uh, did you see those No, suits? I did not encounter any suits, but, you know, <laughs> uh, here's the deal. They decided to change the appearance of, of the aliens. Okay. Uh, and, you know, the rationale That's for true. that was, well, you know, these, these beings have been described before to the point where people have been using them in beer commercials that are playing right now, and we want to show the audience something different. So they changed their appearance into... Uh, uh, a sort of different skin tone, more wrinkly, smaller eyes, and uh, and and the one concession to what I actually saw was these suits with these big uh, eyes. Right. So you know, to sort of imply that you know some people that you know see some things with that description, that's what it is. It's really just a suit. But I didn't encounter any suits. Uh, you know, so, uh, and. Uh, I don't think they were wearing any suit. There might have been some kind of a skin covering. Their skin was kind of weird and puffy looking, but but the eyes were like eyes, you know. I mean, it was they blinked. They had an iris. There was a it was, there was a, a pupil like a, like yeah. a, a mammalian or a human eye, except for being very huge. But you know, the similarity to humans. You know, have you seen the, the alien autopsy video that came out in uh, '95? I've seen 
pictures from it. Uh, you know. did, it did they look anything like that? Because in that video, the the eye itself, it's all black, as you can tell, but they peel out the like the outer layer of the eye and it looks like it's almost like a giant contact lens. And then you can kind of see an eyeball with the iris and the pupil and everything. Uh, did it kind of look like that alien a little bit, or was it? Well, yeah, I, you, know, and, you know, it's a possibility that uh, that film was showing something that was very close. Of course, you know, you're looking at a dead uh, creature. Yeah. Which would change the appearance of... Um, I don't know. Uh, very similar, but um, probably different ways. Uh, um, but, you know, that that would be a very... It, I'll tell you what. Uh, what I saw was closer to what was in that autopsy film than what was in the movie, A Fire in the Sky. Oh, there you go. So... But I, you know, I had no power to control that. Um, I had a contract which, you know, basically, uh, you know, gave up any control on my part for uh, what went into the film. And uh, no, and, and not for nothing. I mean, I think Tracy Torme, who was the writer of the film, did a fantastic job, uh, you know, writing a movie. And actually, I think it's one of the most uh, serious films when it comes to ufology ever made. Uh, I mean, oh, yeah, and he really serious. tried oh, yeah. hard to stick closer to mm -hmm. what really happened than than he was allowed to because, yeah. you know, there were a lot of pressures, uh, and everybody involved has their creative input, and the studio has their interests, and, and uh, you know, being true to the story isn't necessarily the, the highest priority. They're trying to make something commercial, and so, you know, even Tracy wound up losing uh, some of the battles. I, I wrote letters and tried to uh, get it, keep him from doing certain things. But uh, yeah, he's he's had a little rough in, in Hollywood. I know he had uh, issues also with the show Sliders that he uh, wrote and and created. And I heard some of the battles he had on on uh, Fire in the Sky also. And you know, he is a good writer. And you know, I want to I do want to give him credit because I do think that he did a, a really honest job of at least making a serious film about your case. You know, he didn't. Treat it as a hokey story, you know. He, there's a serious film there, and uh, you know he deserves credit for that. I think. Yeah, he he tried to he did his best to keep his word to me about uh, sticking to uh, story, not letting it get distorted. But but you now, know, the Hollywood way full of what's called uh, creative differences. So. <laughs> well, yeah, in Hollywood, you're always going to have those, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, and let me ask you: Was Dallas uh, the way he really was portrayed in the movie? Was he really like that uh, in person? He was I know quite a film. character. <laughs> He was a character because <laughs> I know they, they 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 thought he was a suspect right away. I mean, uh, he was uh, suspect numero uno, as they say. Yeah, he had a history of uh, legal troubles, and uh, I you know I heard later that you know he, some of that continued. I don't know if he's got his life straightened out now, but I I, I think he's doing a lot better than he was back then. What do you think of, of the cast they got for the movie? Were you happy with uh, D.B. Sweeney and, and the rest of the guys they, they picked? I mean, the kid from uh, the E.T. was in it, which was great. Uh, I always forget his name. You know I'm bad with names, as I told you the first time I met you, but uh, Henry, I think his name, Henry or Henry Thomas. Henry Thomas, there we go. Yeah. Uh, he was really good in the movie also. and I mean, the whole cast was phenomenal, I thought. Yeah, I thought they, they some of some of the casting was so right on, you know, that they, they were really a lot like the people that they – chose to uh, uh, play, you know. And, of course, you actually have a cameo in the film, which some people might not know about. 
Uh, but you're actually in the movie. There's a, a scene with you in the film, right? Right. Uh, yeah. In the scene where uh, Mike Rogers comes in and confronts the townspeople at a church meeting, um, I'm sitting in the in the crowd there, uh, my wife and I, and uh, I've got a beard on, and uh, it's my own beard, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it, that was a really powerful scene because right after that they take the lie detector test, and you guys have taken what? Uh, I mean, I know you've taken at least five or six lie detector tests yourself, correct? Yeah, I've passed uh, six different lie detector tests about this. But, uh, Jamie, I know you got a question for uh, Travis also. Yeah, I'm just trying to keep up with the uh, the chat questions. Uh, this one comes from the Benny. He wants to know to Travis, uh, do you feel that the beings were peaceful or hostile to you? And uh, can you give any examples of either situations? Well, you know, at the time, I perceived it as extremely hostile. I felt very threatened. But, you know, in retrospect, I don't know that that was the case. You know, at the time, I'm, I'm, I'm regaining consciousness, and I'm in all this pain, and I'm having trouble breathing. You know, just being short of oxygen just creates panic in you all by itself. And the shock of seeing them with the pain and, and with, the, with the lack of oxygen just, uh, you know, was enough to cause me to lose it. So, uh, you know, I, I was very fearful because of their appearance. But in, in retrospect, the fact that I was returned alive, you know, says a lot. Oh, yeah. You know? And, in fact, in the film, they have a scene uh, when you first wake up inside the ship, they're mm-hmm. like in a, in a bubble, and it's kind of all gooey, and there's disgusting stuff in there. And you break out of that bubble, and, you, and it's like a cocoon. And, uh, you know, of course, you are, in, you know, in zero gravity, so you actually fly into another one of these cocoons, and there's a dead body in there. Uh, did that actually happen also? There's, uh, none, of that that stuff. None, none of that stuff. None of that stuff, stuff happened? Not, a, not at all. You know, and I, I really don't, I can't, you know, find any parallels in what actually happened yeah. you know, from those particular things that you mentioned there. Yeah. And, and uh, I know that the, the aliens never communicated verbally with you or telepathically or anything like that. Uh, I mean, at no time did they try at all to even communicate at all with you, just that one time the humanoid alien came at you and kind of comforted you a little bit. Well, you know, if they were trying to reach me telepathically, if they can do that, uh, I was definitely not in a very receptive state. <laughs> I, was, I was basically a wild man. I was totally um, uh, deranged with fear. Oh, rightfully so. I mean... Anybody who wakes up in a situation like yours, uh, you know, paranoia, terrified, all the uh, the words you can think of go through your mind. I mean, I couldn't imagine myself being in that situation personally. Uh, even though I wouldn't mind it if I if I am assured that I'm going to be back alive on Earth, uh, you know, okay and safe and sound. I, I don't know if I'll deny the opportunity to go on one of these ships and actually take a, a trip. You know what I mean? But uh, looking back, I mean, I know you, you might have thought of this a thousand billion times now. Uh, since it happened, and I know recently we had the anniversary of the event itself on November 5th. Uh, thinking back all these years, I mean, would you change anything from what happened? Would you not get on the truck, or would you still have gone al- along with the experience since you know that you survived it? Well, even knowing that I survived it, um, I, I wouldn't get out of the truck. Really? Yeah. You know, and if... Yeah, by the time I was returned, it was already a worldwide story. There were there were 
uh, reporters from all over the world here in Snowflake by the time I was returned. So I never went forward and, you know, told anything. I, I didn't have a choice. And and knowing what I know now about, you know, the effects of speaking out about this, maybe I never would have, you know. Yeah. But uh, I didn't really have much choice. So it was just a matter of uh, defending myself against uh, accusations or at least, you know, agreeing to... Uh, It'd be interviewed by people who sought me out. Like tonight, which, again, I can't thank you enough for. <laughs> and by the way, uh, for the, in the last uh, 30 minutes of the show, we're going to open the lines up. If people want to have any questions for Travis, please call into the number 347-205-9961. Uh, let's keep it on topic. Let's keep it clean. Let's keep it nice and gentlemanlike. And whoever has the best questions for the night, uh, Travis, I haven't, I haven't even told you about this, but the best Question for the night for Travis Walton gets a free DVD copy of Fire in the Sky, sent to you by me. So there you go. That's a little promotion I'm doing here for you. Okay, great. So yeah, guys, uh, last half hour, you know, light up the boards and let's get some questions in for Travis. Uh, but going back here to the story itself, uh, can you kind of go over a little bit your recollection of when you actually woke up uh, back on Earth and what went ran through your mind that moment in time when you saw yourself back here alive and and, you know, having the experience put behind you. Uh, and did, you know, did you see them leaving or, or did you just wake up and then you were here and that was it? Well, I woke up and I was face down and I, there was a light above me. So I looked to see where the light came from. But I didn't look quick enough because it went off before I could see. Uh, so when I looked up, I could see the, the smooth, uh, you know, chrome-like uh, surface of the bottom of this craft hovering there but it wasn't lit at that point and then you know it was just there for an instant when it just shot up into the sky and that was really kind of amazing how quickly it moved uh it moved the air some but it didn't it didn't like shriek through the sky even though it was just a dot in just you know an instant yeah it's kind of uh, like the ufo i saw I, actually i've seen uh two ufos myself one in california when i was a, a kid uh, which, of course, you know, California is not that far from the Nevada desert, so, uh, you know, it could have been one of our own. But uh, I saw one when I was a child. I saw one with my father years later here in, in Florida, and it was exactly it. was just a dot. It just vanished into the sky. It just took off at an immense speed. Uh, I mean, the kind of speed that these crafts are are, are doing, it, if they really wanted to come down here and, and hurt us, as a lot of people are fearing, uh, you know, alien abduction or alien, uh, you know, invasion, uh, they can come here from another, you know, world that is light years away. They would have done it a long time ago if they wanted to hurt us. Uh, so, you know, I guess there is a positivity of your case that, uh, you know, you were brought back. They didn't kill you. You know, you weren't permanently taken off the planet and put in a slave camp somewhere on, you know, on another planet or anything like that. Yeah, uh, and they, here, did, they didn't yeah. dump me back in the woods where, where uh, they picked me up. I right. Actually put where, you know, I could get some help. So, yeah, so, I mean, that right there shows that there is some sort of, uh, I guess, of, of a human feeling within these aliens, and they know that, you know, what's right and what's wrong. Uh, which, again, and it's funny, I'm a big fan of uh, Michio Kaku and uh, his lectures of, uh, of, you know, alien contact and of different civilizations. And he, and he makes it a very great statement when he talks about type 0 to type 1 to type 2 and type 3 civilizations. And he says a race of beings that come from another light, from another star system light years away, uh, has to be either type two or type three civilization compared to our type zero civilization here on Earth. 
So to uh, to them, we're nothing more than really ants in their backyard. That's really what we are in a sense. Uh, so it's good to know that even though we're ants, there is some humanity in them that they wouldn't, you know, just stomp on us and get yeah. rid of us. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I'm happy to not be stomped on. Yeah. <laughs> I said I'm fellow man. I'm happy you're not stomped on either, man. It's, it's, uh, if not, I would not have you on my show here tonight, and it would just be a boring night here on the Jackal's Head. We got another chat question here. Um, Laura wants to know what was his total conclusion of the experience and what what it meant uh, to him. Like, what was the overall experience after he, uh, you know, everything was said and done? Well, you know, uh, there is no single conclusion. There's a whole lot of different conclusions. Um, You know. The question is, what did they want? You know, what was the reason for it? Why did it happen? Um, you know, what what do I come away with? Uh, you know, there's lots of lots of questions, um, and uh, some of them are still unanswered. But I got to say that you know I, you know, when you're trying to cope with something difficult in your life, you you try to look for the good in it. Uh, you know something positive, uh, because you know you you have to accept it. So you may as well look for something good. And you know there, there's plenty of negative, but uh, I did learn a lot about myself and about human nature, and about the so-called authorities and the experts that are supposed to be in charge of all this. <laughs> and uh, and. Uh, it kind of changed my perspective, of course. You know, our place in the, in the grand scheme of things is, I, I think, I take a much wider, you know, broader perspective than I had before. Oh yes, definitely. Yeah. I just they also want to know. <laughs> did you experience any type of uh, weightlessness or anything? No, yeah, gravity. Well, I don't know. You know, when I first woke up, I felt so weak and so unable to move that you know there's possibility that the gravity you know might have been adjusted to be heavier or something but other than that i didn't feel motion or inertia or movement of, of any kind so your breathing was okay in the ship and you didn't feel out of breath or anything like that oh yeah i was struggling to catch my breath that's the reason oh, yeah. i was saying it was i had this suffocating feeling it was all humid and and just hard to catch my breath now, whether that was because there was something wrong with the atmosphere in there or because there was something wrong with me, I don't know, because the the, the beam did hit me in the in the upper body and yeah, could, have, true. could have done, affected my lungs in some way. That's true, yeah. Travis, real quick, um, let me ask you a question. You know, reflecting back on, on the story, when, when you first started having the uh, regression sessions, uh, I know that there was a lot of information that came out of that. You pretty much remember the entire the entire uh, case, or at least most of what happened. Uh, how long was it exactly that you remember it as soon as you got back, and how much else did you remember from the regression case or the regression session? Well, the regression really just was for the first time to allow me to relate what I was already remembering. I just couldn't talk about it. It was just so so traumatic I'd break down. So it was allowing me to, to, you know, to relate this without the, that extreme fear 
to the point where I could, you know, tell, you know, the researchers what what had happened. Uh, it didn't, you know, and the emphasis wasn't trying to bring out microscopic details. It was just basically to try to get rid of that traumatic thing that just kept me from even being able to talk about it. And, that, and it did, you know, make it more manageable from that point on, although that fear was with me pretty damn intense for a long time. It never completely went away. But um, there there was some some danger to pushing deeper that uh, I decided not to pursue anymore. Uh, hypnosis. And of course, yes. you know, that... You, that you haven't uh, had any more sessions uh, since that initial session. Uh, I mean, are, are you worried that you might remember more than what happened? I know you, you didn't remember much, and you were gone for, for a few days, so, I mean... Well, uh, first, I, I, you know, I wondered what had happened, and, you know, I, I searched my mind, you know. What happened seemed to be just a fragment of something more. I was right. gone five days and six hours. Right. This, this conscious period was just a matter of... I, when I was returned, uh, I thought it was the same night. Right, yeah, I can imagine that, yeah. My family, uh, you know, informed me that it had been over five days, which was quite a shock. But, you know, so it, there was a lot that I couldn't remember, whether I was unconscious the whole time or not. Uh, that, that must have freaked you out, man, when you woke up and you, you saw that it was five days later. That, that must have just freaked you the hell out. You know, but then that thing of the having one foot on the brake and one on the accelerator, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, comes back to me, you know, and wondering what happened to me and trying to figure it out and wanting to, wanting some answers, but at the same time, not wanting to know. Yeah. You know, so the point was, okay, if I do find out, do I want to tell anybody? <laughs> you know. Yeah. It, it's not been all uh, pleasant for me. I've had a lot of supporters, you know, and a lot of, you know, even here in this town, you know, a lot of people who, you know, um, believe me and know me and, you know, um, rely on their knowledge of my character. Um, But at the same time, there's been negative that I wish I didn't have to experience. So, you know. Yeah, and you you got supporters here on this show, man. I mean, I, I'm a true believer that you're, you that what you say it happened definitely happened, uh, and I've said it several times on the show here. Uh, I mean, it, it's funny you still live in the same town, you still live with the same people. Uh, you you know you didn't go Hollywood when the movie came out or anything like that. Uh, you're still the same person. You're just uh, Travis Walton. Yeah, I work at yeah. it. I try to, you know, I try to live a normal life to the point where I just try to go on and act as if it didn't happen. You know which has a way of breaking through to me from time to time <laughs> that they're not going to let me get away with uh, just being taken for myself, but that would be my dream, you know? Yeah. I, I, I've, I'm toyed with the idea of just moving off somewhere and changing my name and just, you know, to see what it would be like to be taken for myself. Incognito, yeah. <laughs> Jamie, you are going to ask a question there? Yeah, there was a question posted earlier about the. They were wondering if uh, Travis ever thought of, or has anybody ever um, asked him to do a movie um, and and make it more real, like 
like have you advise it to make it as real as possible? Or like to, to remake the like remake the film later on with uh, yeah. You know, yeah. I was talking to uh, uh, some people that uh, were interested in that and uh, who actually made inquiries about you know getting a group of investors together to actually buy the rights from Paramount and reshoot the parts that were uh, you know. Uh, farther afield, but it turned out to be they were wanting entirely too much. I don't know. I have to look into uh, the possibility that their or their rights could expire, or maybe another uh, approach to it. But it would be cool if uh, um, if it could be told just exactly as it happened, especially you know with uh, some of the subtleties that have. Uh, that I've become aware of as time has gone by. Look, if they can remake really bad movies like they're doing nowadays, uh, a really good movie yeah. should be remade if, if it can be more honest and truthful to what the story really was. I, you know, I hope they do. You know, one day get to that, and you guys, you know, get to remake the film. I've always, you know, actually liked that idea to have it remade and told exactly like you portrayed in the book, uh, because it's, uh, to me, it's just more fascinating to be honest with you to know that there is human-looking aliens and that, you know, one came out. Uh, in fact, let me ask you a question. In the film, of course, they show the uh, examination scene, and it was very graphic. Uh, was any of that at all factual, or was that also completely in left field? Well, you know, I saw their instruments laid out there. Right. And I really, you know, in the, in the aftermath of this, agonized over what they might have done to me, you know. At first, I was pretty anxious about it, but, you know, in light of the fact that I've been, you know, extraordinarily healthy ever since, I, I quit worrying about bad after effects. But uh, at the time, I, I, you know, it tormented me to think of what they might have been doing. And so, you know, Hollywood just went you know, the next step to, uh, you know, explore those uh, thoughts of what might have been done to me. And so, but that, but that what didn't happen that while I was conscious, whatever sort of procedures they were doing on me um, was while I was out, or at least I didn't have a memory of it at that time. Did you have like marks and stuff all over your body, or scrapes, cuts, anything like that, bruises? I, I had one mark on one arm, but uh, there was really no way to tell if that was something that happened during my experience or something that just happened, uh, as, you know, at work. Hmm. See, to me, it, it almost sounds like it wasn't really as violent of an experience, even though it was scary, you know, obviously, but it's not as violent. I mean, it, that definitely no, brings a little bit Like in the movie, violence. they have uh, yeah. me being slammed down on the table like a hunk of meat, but yeah, <laughs> dragged around and stuff like that, but that wasn't really the where the trauma comes from. Which, you know, again, it makes for, for, scene, makes for a great film, though. <laughs> makes for a great the film. the actor is being, you know, uh, struggling to breathe through this membrane. Mm-hmm. which I thought was a pretty useful device to explain the panic that I was feeling because, you know, if you feel like you're suffocating and you're panicking because of it, how do you how do you show that on film? It, it just shows an actor standing there, you know, hyperventilating, acting scared. They wouldn't really get the point of right. the yes. feeling of not being able to breathe, having your mouth and nose covered. It was a very good metaphor for that uh, that suffocation that I was feeling. And it's still a great scene. So, <laughs> regardless, I mean, it made for a great film. But uh, 
you know, it, it's it's great to hear you actually tell the story of what really happened, considering, uh, you know, how Hollywood fabricated some of the stuff that happened. Uh, and to be honest with you, I mean, like I said, I think it would be much more fascinating if they did uh, go on, you know, go ahead and they did, you know, remake it the more actual uh, real-to-life tale, you know, a real-life story of what the book said. Uh, but yeah, either, either an actual uh, true-to-the-facts mm-hmm. Uh, a dramatization yeah. or uh, uh, a much more detailed sort of. Uh, now, you haven't looked into uh, doing like a, a big time documentary on this, yeah. have you? Uh, well, there's been a, a number of, uh, you know, documentaries, so called documentaries done, but nothing that really. Nothing official, though. Gave that kind of detail right. and analysis that, you know, like what I put into the book, I, I did, you know. It's, I put as much detail in there as I could uh, scratch together, you know. And no, listen, Travis, uh, I'm going to open the lines here in a few minutes. Uh, so I just want to let everybody know, again, the number is uh, 347-205-9961. Uh, again, the best callers. In fact, I'm going to give one. I'm going to give two DVDs away of Fire in the Sky. I want your best questions for Travis Walton. Keep it nice, keep it simple, keep it clean, and uh, start calling in. And about, oh, I'll say 10 minutes or so, and I'm going to start getting to your calls, people. I have a couple of guys already waiting in the uh, in the switchboard here, so I'll get to you guys first. Don't worry. 207, I know you're there. Just uh, wait up, and I will get to you in, in a little bit. Uh, but, Travis, you know, back to the uh, story here. And this is something that I've pondered myself, you know, over the years, uh, really since I saw the movie. Cause I actually saw the film when I was a child. I was, you know, in my early teens uh, when I saw the film itself. And I've always wondered, I always wanted to ask you, were you into UFOs at all when you were a kid? Was it something that you were always into, or you never really had a, a even a curiosity about UFOs? Well, I, you know, I was accused of being, uh, like, deeply into it or, stuff or something, but that's not really... Guilty over here. <laughs> I, uh, um, I had a wide variety of interests, you know, when we were... Uh, we had long drives to work, so, you know, conversations were pretty wide-ranging. We talked about everything. And even UFOs had come up because of, you know, some articles in the paper. They been about some cattle mutilations in the area and whatnot. But it wasn't like uh, any kind of an obsession or an, like, you know, I'd never bought a book on the subject. I'd never subscribed to a UFO magazine or ever gone to a conference or anything like that. So it was uh, the only, I, I think, and probably the uh, one thing that might have made me pay some attention to it was the fact that uh, my brother had seen an object some seven or eight years before that he told us about. Um, but even that's rather commonplace, I guess. I uh, quote the statistic in the book that if one out of uh, seven Americans have seen a UFO, then most likely everybody's got more than seven uh, friends or relatives or acquaintances. So oh, yeah. Yeah. it's inevitable that just about anybody knows somebody who has uh, had a sighting. In fact, Jamie here videotapes uh, UFOs frequently. Uh, we're actually doing our show uh, together soon on a different network, Paranormal Network TV or TV network. Uh, and uh, over there we're actually going to call the show Skywatchers Radio, uh, which is going to be all about UFOs and ufology. Uh, and that's uh, that's going to be in the near future. In fact, I would love to have you back on you know, in the future to be on that show, if it's okay with you, with your blessing, of course. 
that will be fantastic. It will be actually broadcast on Dish Network, which is great. Uh, that's going to be an amazing uh, treat for everybody here who's going you know, yeah, to join us over there. But, yeah, with your blessing, if you ever want to come back for that, that will be great. I'm going to go ahead and get to the callers. I have uh, a lot of callers on the line. So uh, I'm going to actually get a gentleman here on the line who's uh, an actual abductee himself. His name is Ron Slusher. He was a uh, guest on my show uh, not too long ago. He actually did it the first time ever he did an actual interview was on my show here. Uh, Ron, I believe you're on the air. Are you there with us? Yeah, can you hear me? We hear you perfectly. You're on the air with Travis Walton, myself, and Jamie. Oh, hi, Travis. Uh, my name is Ron Flusher, and I'm an abductee, too. And I live here in Scottsdale, Arizona. I'm 62. And, in fact, I worked with one of your cousins as an electrician on a building here in Phoenix called TGen. And uh, my first question is, where were you at from Heber? Um. Heber was the town where I was returned to. Uh, yeah, but we're in the, like, we're in the, I've camped all over those hills. And, in fact, my youngest son and I came back from the Hopi Reservation once. And we saw a flying saucer just south of Jake's Corner, just hoovering right over the road at treetops. That was your, like my son said, your typical upside-down pie plate. Now, that was south of Jake's Corner. Where were you at from there like? Oh, well, Jake's Corner's a long ways from Heber, but uh, <laughs> I used to uh, ride a school bus back when I lived in Payson uh, and went through Jake's Corner every day, but uh, on the way to school. Oh, yeah, so you were the other way out of Payson then, weren't you, where you were, you would have been to the east of Heber then where you guys were cutting wood? Well, we would drive out from Snowflake to Heber and then go from there south towards the Rim Road. And towards the Rim Road, okay. Okay, I know exactly where you're at now. The borderline between the Apache Reservation and the, and the Sigris Forest. Uh, yeah, and in fact, we just had a big fire up there a while back, remember? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah the big fire that burned most of that down. And um, another question I had now, you know, my... I saw other humans, and, I, and then I've had several trips, right? Did, did you ever see that, and, and were they, were, was, the, was, the, was the craft curved? Well, yeah, Travis, uh, yeah they were curved, them. and the other humans, uh, well, I took them to be humans, uh, did not appear to be, you know, captors or abductees or anything like that. They were definitely in charge of themselves. So are you referring to... Uh, other humans as well. So the people I talk to are human. In, in fact, or, I'm six foot tall, a little taller than me. But I also saw people, and several times now I've seen people on. If you want to put them on gurneys or whatever, and, and the farther in a different part. Did, did you ever? Did you see anything like that ever? Or were, is it just all one on one with you? It was basically all about me. I was a, I was a problem. <laughs> oh, so you, you then, then you never saw any like other abductees while you were on board, right? No. And my next question: I have the crescent C on my shoulder. Did there, and I heard you say something earlier about a mark on you. What did, where is it at, and what's it look like? Well, the examining uh, physician described it as. 
a two millimeter red spot, but it was not over any major blood vessel. So, um, although the whole thing, uh, the mention of that suggested uh, to some of my critics that that this whole thing was a drug hallucination. But uh, like I said, it wasn't over any blood vessels. So, and, and then it, there was no way to determine uh, whether it had happened during my experience or during the work day before this happened. Where was it at on your body? It was on uh, the inside of my uh, right arm, I believe. On the inside? Yeah, one of one of my arms. I don't recall which, but the the doctor made a note of that. I'm sure I I recorded that detail in the book. Are you are you still living in Snowflake? Yeah. Well, that. Uh, huh? No, I'm saying all right, Ron. Uh, we, we'll let you go. Have a okay. All right. Thanks, Travis. Okay. Thank you. All right. Calling in. Bye bye. Remember, stay tuned. At the end of the show, I'm going to announce the winners of the DVDs. Two of them. From me to you guys. All right, here, let's get to another caller here on the uh, switchboard here. Let's see. 1111, Skype caller. You're on the air with Travis Walton, myself, and Jamie. Welcome to the show. Hey, everyone. Um, hey, hey, Travis. Uh, this is Davini. I'm listening in on your um, on the show and everything. And I just had a question uh, based not, not based on the past, but based on uh, everything since then. I was just wondering if you've ever felt... Uh, that maybe they've come back or they've been watching you or any abductions since then or anything like that? Well, I was certainly fearful that they would come back. Um, something I did not want to occur. Yeah. However, <laughs> I've said it before <laughs> that if it did, I doubt I'd tell anybody. Yeah, <laughs> well, I understand it. Um, and I had one more question. Uh, do you follow – because um, – uh, the reason I'm asking this is because I've worked with um, Southern Ohio, Ohio Alien Abduction Research Team, uh, and we've worked with abductees. And uh, I'm going to ask you a common question that a lot of them uh, are asked. I, and I was wondering, since your experiences, and I know you've promoted uh, and you've been promoted with your story, but but have you yourself taken time to study other claims of contact or abductions and things like that, or do you just leave all that in the background and you don't even mess with it? Yeah, I've, I've avoided the subject just because, it, you know, to, it, it's hard enough to deal with my own experience. Inevitably, yeah. you know, uh, people come to me and relate things to me, and I picked up a lot of stuff by osmosis, but I have not done study uh, of any individual case, you know, to a, a degree thorough enough. You know, in my in my book, I, I criticize uh, people who made uh, uh, expressed opinions of of what had happened without, you know, even bothering to get the facts. You know, I yeah. quoted Emerson: "Condemnation without examination is the height of ignorance." Yeah. And so, you know, I've I've emphasized, you know, the idea that if you're going to uh, comment on this case, then you better do your homework. You know, get the facts. And right. uh, in in the book, I did my best to lay everything out there. So, uh, with you know, with the idea that you know, don't just necessarily take my word for it. All of this stuff is is documented and verifiable from independent sources. But I, I'm I'm bringing it all together and, and correlating it and recording it here for you, and uh, check it out for yourself. And so, that's that's where I was left with that is just to try to you know get people to uh, 
investigate my case. And so when I'm asked about other cases, I, I have to say, you know, unless I did the study, I'm not going to make a public pronouncement about any other case other than my own. Because, because I believe, you know, some are like mine, some are not. There's there's yeah. many different phenomena going on here. Some of them are psychological. Some of them are misidentified things. Some of them are just vivid dreams. But there's a hardcore reality here. And I think I've got a pretty good feel for which is which. But like I said, I would never make a, a public judgment about such a thing unless I'd uh, investigated. Yeah, in your case, I mean, uh, one thing I could definitely say about you yourself in your case is that you've never seemed like the type of person who is trying to make people believe him. You're just telling your story of what happened. Yeah, here's the facts. Yeah. Take it or leave yeah. it. You know? Exactly. I, I never bring this up on my own. I, you know, I've never <coughs> sought out an interview or, and, you know, around town, you know, around my family and friends. I, I don't ever bring it up. Yeah, and again, let's yeah. not forget. Let's not forget that you were thrusted upon this situation. It's not like. Uh, you know, you knew this was about to happen, and it was planned. And next, you know, this is something that just happened uh, randomly, really. I mean, you pretty much got uh, you know, got abducted. You know, this <laughs> it's not it's not common that this type of thing happens. But uh, you've always been honest in the, in the simple fact that you just tell your story, and if people believe it, they believe it. If not, oh well. And that's yeah, what you get. Somebody tell in the gallery. community comes to me yeah. with a question, I'll answer them. You know, it's not right. like I tell them I don't want to talk about that. Right, but, right, right. You know, I, I just. Uh, answer it and move on. You know, <laughs> I'll very often change the subject away from there. But you know, I can imagine <laughs> not to avoid, uh, <laughs> but just to not give it any more, you know, um, time than it than it is necessary. Yeah, and, and let me ask you, what are you do? What are you doing nowadays? Uh, you know, on, on your time, I know that uh, that you're a busy man still. I can imagine, but what, what are you doing today? What is Travis well, doing? you know, I worked at the uh, at a local wood mill for a number of years, um, and then I uh, w- uh, went to a paper uh, uh, recycling place, uh, made a paper for 11 years, and a year ago I uh, retired from there, and uh, because I'd been working like 12 hours a day, lots of overtime for much of those 11 years, I... Uh, I've just been catching up on projects that had been on hold for a long time, so that's been keeping me busy. Probably will for some time now. <laughs> yeah, and unfortunately, one of those projects was the uh, UFO Info Weekend, which, uh, as we both know, we found out actually it's uh, no longer going to happen. But uh, is there any other uh, conventions or any, anything else you're going to be involved in in the near future? Well, the uh, big uh, conference in Laughlin in February, uh, I'll be there uh, speaking. Um, is there going to be a book uh, signing and stuff there? Or? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll be uh, doing. Uh, I, I've um, been working on a, an updated edition of the book, and that oh, should cool. be. Uh, that will definitely be uh, finished and available by then. Probably the only place anyone can get the books will be, you know, either uh, at one of my appearances or through my website, because uh, you know that's just the way I want to do it now. Um, it's, uh, it's. I don't know. Are you gonna have? Are you gonna have e-books of your book also? Because uh, one of our friends here in the show, uh, Dennis Crenshaw, who's a good friend of ours, uh, has a book out on, on the Middle Earth theory and uh, uh, or Hollow Earth theory, theory I should say. And uh, he's put a book on the internet on e-books. 
I know Davini's also going to put his book on e-books and uh, and stuff. Uh, is that a route uh, you might take with your book? Is, uh, That's something to consider. I, I, I've been thinking about a number, a number of things, uh, some other languages. Right now it's only in English and German, uh, but I'd like to do a Spanish-language translation, yeah. also an Italian. But uh, And, and uh, probably a, a book on tape for, for the blind or, you know, People over the road truckers, those kind of people that need uh, an auditory. Uh, the, the coast to coast fans who need the uh, <laughs> they need to play something while they're driving all night. The bumper instead of bumper music, I have Travis Walton's "Fire in the Sky" on the radio. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's funny you say that you want to do a Spanish version. I'm actually Latin myself. I'm Cuban, and my father speaks not a word of English. He speaks only Spanish, and he was the one who told me about your case, and he was the one who took me to see the movie as a kid. Wow. So that you definitely should look into doing a Spanish version of the book uh, because yeah. they're interesting. I'm trying to get my there. son to do the translation because he's uh, flu- uh, fluently bilingual. Oh, uh, is he really? Spanish, yeah. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know your, your son spoke uh, Spanish. Yeah, he's uh, going to visit Costa Rica this summer. Oh, nice. Uh, How many kids do you have, Travis? I have uh, four kids and uh, eight grandchildren. Wow, I know you didn't just have a grandchild uh, born not long ago. Uh, well, two of them are uh, just had their one-year birthday. Oh, okay, that's what it was. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, man. I, that's congratulations. That's a big family. That's a beautiful family. Yeah, I, I love them. It's a joy in my life. Are you still married to uh, the same lady you were dating when uh, the experience happened? Yep, I'm still married to her. Oh, that's that's wonderful. See, and they and they say there's no hope for uh, hopeless romantics. <laughs> who get married and live a long life together. See, it can happen, people. In fact, I'm having a relationship expert on my show in a couple, uh, about a week, actually. And uh, that's one of the topics we're going to cover, how it seems like people believe that people can be happy in a marriage these days. And look at that, you've made it all these years with your lovely wife. Yeah, awesome. well, society has opted for a whole array of uh, conditions that make marriage a, a difficult proposition. Oh, Yes. <laughs> Uh, Travis, let me ask you, what, what are your thoughts on the disclosure project uh, that uh, they've been, of course, you know, running around here, uh, you know, working on for the last few years? What do you think of, of that, and when do you think, or do you think, there will be disclosure on uh, on the truth about aliens? Well, you know, I, I applaud the effort, but I don't know <laughs> that they're ever going to come forth with anything until it suits them. You know, it won't be because they're responding to pressure. It'll be because... It, it, that some, in some way that it gains them something, and, and for right now, I think that uh, the reason there's so much secrecy is because, for some whatever reason, they perceive it as being something that would be a big negative for them. Yeah, and you know, it, in a sense, I I almost understand why you know the government will keep it you know hidden. I mean, one thing that I, I tell a lot of people is. You know, let's say, for example, the government knows that there are aliens out there, and they know the panic that that might cause. But they also understand that uh, to the aliens, we are nothing but ants in an anthill, really. Uh, and to them, we're not a concern unless we travel to their territory. And I think that's the point where we're going to really find out uh, if there's life out there, you know, fully disclosed by the government. I mean, we all know there's life out there, but fully disclosed by the government. It's yeah. the point where we have the technology to travel uh, not only beyond our planet, but beyond our, our actual solar system here and and move out in incredible speeds, that's when 
uh, they'll let us know. You know, of course, I'm pretty sure they already have ships back engineered that could do this now, but they've probably been tested for a long time before they actually are put into use. Oh, there's a few yeah. events that could uh, t- take it out of their hands. You know, right. if they That's had true. a Roswell-style crash in a in a major city, uh, that would be impossible for them to cover up. And so, you know, that or um, some um, direct action by these creatures or these beings that, that you know, to make it known because they chose to. Something like that might make it take it out of the hands of our governments. But uh, for now, whatever they know is a secret, whether it's yeah. just knowledge that it happened and maybe they've got a few tidbits here that we don't have and there's a lot of questions for them or or, or maybe something much worse that where they've been interacting with them and uh, uh, in a way that's almost uh, subversive to our interests, uh, you know, no. whatever the case, uh, it's uh, not anything I think they're anxious to share with us. And, and now, wouldn't it be kind of awkward and ironic if, uh, say, in 2012, a big giant mothership lands in the, you know, the White House lawn and the ship's door opens up and out comes a 50-foot Native American-looking alien? <laughs> what wouldn't that just be the end of all? <laughs> and uh, the first thing you say is we're back and we're taking our land back. <laughs> yeah, you can imagine all kinds of scenarios in which <laughs> such a visit could be disruptive to the max. But I don't know. It might it might be surprising how you know, especially with uh, modern sensibilities, that maybe we've handled it a little better than that. Yeah, you know, a lot of people fear that uh, it'll be kind of like War of the Worlds all over again when, as I'm sure you remember, uh, you know, well, you remember probably personally, but you've heard the stories that uh, when Orson Welles did the War of the Worlds on radio, people panicked and went on the streets with guns and whatnot. Uh, I don't think that would happen nowadays if, if they disclosed that there's life Probably not. There. You know, it's probably yeah. more likely that the, the real fallout would be for the uh, uh, authorities rather than for yeah. the population. Yeah, and honestly, I don't even think religious institutions would suffer all that greatly because they're coming out now publicly and saying, you know what, yeah, it's part of God's plan to have aliens. They're our brothers also. I personally don't see any contradiction uh, necessarily between what's happening and and religions. It's just, uh, you know, you could, if you want to, you you know, interpret your religion to exclude it, you can, but... Right. Uh, most religions uh, do have, uh, you know, tenets that uh, can take this whole thing in stride. Well, I mean, speaking just of uh, the Sumerian, of course, you know, their people believe in the Anunnaki, but uh, Divini, who's still on the line with us, he's an expert in the Kabbalah. And in the Kabbalah itself, it talks about these creatures that are very, um, they, they resemble the greys, basically. Uh, you know, they're very much like the greys, and that's in the Kabbalah itself which, of course, is the oldest book known to man, really, when it comes to... It's not a religious book, but it's the oldest work of religion or religious that there is on the planet. In fact, Davini, you're still on the line. Uh, that's the correct statement, right? Uh, you got it a little backwards. Uh, the, the creatures are the reptilians. Um, well, there you go. But, well, yeah, but there, there are, are other... Yeah, there, well, there are other creatures uh, right. that are... Through, throughout that, uh, but, but they're very well described, um, and some of them are, are physical like us, and some of them are 
what we call uh, incorporeal, which means they, they, they can be more translucent or more on a spiritual or astral realm, and some of them are in between. Uh, but but they're, they're classified very different, and it makes it very clear that there's different types of beings out there, uh, which always raises the question of, you know, if they are multidimensional or if this was a way of explaining, um, you know, to ancient man uh, that they're multidimensional beings. And, and that's all up to uh, the reader on that and their perception and things like that. Well, you know, the skeptics have tried to portray this phenomena as being uh, sort of a, of recent origin and that all of this stuff is just, you know, from the 50s on and, and that there's really no historical. But that's just not the case. You know, I was uh, reading the other day um, uh, a book by Thomas Paine, one of our founding fathers uh, of this country, uh, a book called... Um, um, what was the name of it? Uh, uh, reason. Uh, uh, reasons in the title. Anyway, in which he goes to uh, into great depth in describing uh, the solar system, the planets, and all that. And, you know, I was kind of shocked at the uh, degree of their understanding in 1700s of, uh, of the, you know, cosmology of the solar system and the universe. They they had a oh, yeah. pretty good working knowledge back then and and imagined uh, you know conjectured that that, uh, that there was inhabitants on those other bodies just like uh, ours you know just a logical yeah. extension of uh, yeah and they have found uh, literally I don't know exactly the exact number but uh, more than a dozen Earth-like planets already and they they speculate there might be a hundred thousand. It's like planets just in the Milky Way alone. Uh, the name of Thomas Paine so. was the Age of Reason. You can yeah, imagine and, and, that. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that that is a big point that you bring up, though. There are a lot of people um, yeah. uh, that do have the understanding that the UFO issues or alien contact or, or any of that, uh, th there is a large group that understands that this goes back as far as... Uh, we have writing. In fact, um, one of the uh, first American cases uh, of an abduction event was we had some Union soldiers who were in Texas when Texas was not even technically a state yet, and they were given martial license uh, through uh, through the uh, through the state that was being formed to hunt down some uh, what they called criminals that were running to Mexico, and so they they tracked them down. And they actually went across the border into what we would call Mexico now, and uh, they were they they came back uh, expressing an an abduction case. Uh, they said that they they had came to a cave where they thought these Mexicans were at, and you know they were trying to hunt them down and arrest them. And um, uh, this uh, you know this big event uh, took place uh, around Mexico, and I want to say that it was. Uh, around the time when Texas was just being formed as a state. Uh, but uh, they, they basically, uh, they claimed, that they, there was an entire small company of men that claimed that they went into a cave that they thought was being inhabited by a light. They thought it was a campfire um, from some of the refugees uh, that they were chasing, uh, which they were running into Mexico. And this was right on the borderline in Mexico. 
And uh, so they go into the cave, and uh, they report seeing people in there. And uh, they were kind of lured, I guess, in a weird way. And they came back reporting uh, to their, uh, I guess, their commanders uh, back in back in what we would call America, uh, that they had this weird sense that they were welcomed and that uh, it was like meeting old friends and, and just all kinds of weird stuff. And uh, our military has been involved with that, and, and that's public uh, public knowledge. Uh, but it goes back further than that. Uh, I mean, as far as you can, uh, because Amer- America's not not a very old uh, country. I mean, you can go back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, you can go back and you can find uh, ancient writings of what you could interpret as uh, people being given information or even material things from non-humans or or, or people that look like humans that were clearly <laughs> a lot more advanced and things like that. Uh, but, but yeah, a lot of people have the idea that Roswell or, or, or your case were some of the first cases, and it, it is so much older than that. Yeah, it's, it goes way back. And why wouldn't it, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. It, our it our time sense. frame relative to them, you know, they're, they're way advanced uh, of us, and the predominant theory is is that because they're much older than us, they, their civilization has been been around a lot longer. And no, and yeah, well, if they can come down here, they've definitely the been here longer. And these various stars, and and some of them have been there for hundreds of thousands of, yep. uh, or or more years before us. So they, you know, things happen at a different uh, rate, but generally, even if they happened at the same rate, they, they just got started a lot sooner than us. Look how far we've come in a hundred years. Well, you know, of course, we had a little help, according to uh, to some yeah. experts. You know, they they did lend a hand. Uh, and you know what? It makes perfect sense that uh, that they would lend a hand. Uh, if you really think about it, uh, you know, this planet is so rich and beautiful and so full of of you know really amazing things that uh, you know why not study a planet like this? Why not come down here and and you know you know eat off the fruits of the land and you know and enjoy the world that this is. Uh, because you know, and we really take it for granted as as individuals. Uh, we take what we have here for granted, but we have a gorgeous planet here, and uh, we really need to take better care of our planet. That's actually why I played that Michael Jackson song earlier, because I really do believe that uh, we don't take care of our planet enough. But uh, you can imagine, I mean, especially some of the reports of some of these aliens and where they're, you know, where they come from, and some say they have problems with their atmosphere, and uh, you know, they're here because their society is dying out and whatnot. It would make perfect sense to come to a world like this. It really was. Uh, Travis, I know it's uh, getting on here. We've got 13 minutes left on the show. I want to thank you so much again, man, uh, for taking part in the show tonight and coming out and, and talking to us here on the Jackal's Head. And, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't think there's words deep enough to, to express how, uh, how grateful I am for you being here tonight, especially after everything that, that's happened, you know? Yeah, it's been an interesting discussion. Well, there you go, brother. That's <laughs> what's Well, there you go. <laughs> Uh, Travis, uh, anything uh, you want to tell the audience here that's listening? We have a lot of people in the chat room, by the way. Uh, any any uh, last uh, words you want to give them out? Uh, you know, give us your links or your website, and uh, you know, anything, any other details you want to share with us, real quick. Well, check out the website TravisWalton.com, and uh, I'll be updating that here in the near future. I just got back from uh, speaking in uh, Bavaria and uh, Istanbul, 
That right. was an interesting trip. Um, and uh, I'll be going back some of those places. Anyway, um, so, you know, there's a place on the website where I announce upcoming talks, and, and there's a bunch of those I'll have to get on there. But yeah, anyway. I don't know if, if you've seen uh, the website I sent you, the uh, skywatchersradio.com, but uh, I'm a webmaster. If you ever need any help uh, with your website, it's, it'll be an honor to help you out with anything you need on there. So, well, thank uh, you. Don't, don't feel shy to ask, man. I, you know, I, I anybody who wants to email me can email me through the website. There's a, mm-hmm. uh, a way to do that. And so that's what I'll leave you with. Uh, there you go. Again, well, Charlie, there you go. Thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Hey, uh, I appreciate right. it a million Times over. You cannot believe. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to post the uh, link here to your uh, website real quick in the chat. Uh, Travis-Walton.com. There we go. And uh, let's see. One more thing. There's a gentleman who wants to say hi to you, and uh, he's too shy to call. Uh, but he says to uh, mention his name, please. Uh, Travis? Yeah. Nathan says hi. Hey. Hey, it's Nathan. Nathan it's Nathan hi. from Tennessee. He's He's one of our followers uh, here on the show, and he wanted to say hi, but he couldn't call in. Uh, so I'm doing him a favor. All right. Say hi to Nathan. All right. There you go. Good night. Thomas, it's been an honor, man. Thank you so much again, and uh, have yourself a wonderful night. And I'll be in contact uh, soon, and please you know, think about coming over to Paranormal Network TV with us and uh, doing a show there in the future. I'd love to have you on there. Oh, great. Uh, season's greetings to everybody. Same to you, my friend. Take care. Take care, care Travis. All right. Good night. Well, there you go, Travis Walton, everybody. There you go, brother. Does that it get any probably, better than this? That was I probably my metaphysical uh, minute. Hold on, hold on, before you get to your metaphysical minute, there, uh, Dougie snaps. Uh, this okay. is probably this is probably the best show ever on this show here, uh, and I am honored again to have Travis Walton on the show. I I'm blown away by the fact that he made it out tonight and actually uh, stayed on for this long with us. I know he's a busy man, and it's late over there, it's late over here, but I want to thank him again from the bottom of my heart. He's a really good man, and, uh, you know, I believe him. I don't know about everybody out here, but I believe his story. I know that, uh, you know, alien abduction is always going to be looked at as, uh, you know, kind of a taboo subject, but to me, he's 100% credible, and the fact that he's as humble as he is uh, tells you a story of who this man really is, and he's uh, the real deal. He's a genuine article. I'm sending my friend a live video message right now. That's a that's a great uh, answer there, by the way. <laughs> yeah, he he's definitely a great guest. That was one of the best shows, and uh, you know it's going to be followed up by another great show tomorrow with Mr. Jerry Pippen. Oh yes, in fact, tomorrow not only is Jerry Pippen going to be on your show, but I'm having also another uh, exciting guest on my show. Oh yes. Who's that? You know who I'm talking about. You know I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. No. Mr. Friedman, right? No, no, that's on the mm-hmm. 17th. No? Oh, about, okay. I'm talking about Mr. Hitting the home runs, you're hitting the home runs out of the park, man, both of you. Well, my next guest tomorrow is going to be none other than Nick Pope. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. He's going to be on the show tomorrow. We're going to talk about, uh, you know, his story. We're going to talk about a bunch of stuff dealing with ufology and uh uh, that's another great guest that I've lined up here. And, uh, you know, I, I heard him on your show, and I know he's a fantastic uh, guest to have on the show. So uh, what do you think? Knocking them out of the park, Travis Walton, Nick Pope, back-to-back? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're getting them. 
for those uh, you know people out there who thought they could sabotage the show, it ain't happening, brother. Nope, you ain't sabotaging this show. Brother. I'm actually doing uh, I'm actually recording him a live video email right now. I I didn't want to take the last 10 minutes of the show to talk about that guy because he doesn't deserve any more publicity. So uh, we'll leave it at that. uh, Brother, you you did uh, an attempt, and it failed, just like your life, just like your show, just like your marriage, just like everything. But check this out. Not only am I having another great guest tomorrow, Nick Pope, but I'm having another amazing guest on Friday. The ball keeps rolling. I'm having Steven Jacobson on my show. We're going to talk about mind control in America. And I'm super excited about talking to him because I'm into the subject of mind control. And that's going to be phenomenal. Steven Jacobson is a great person also. I got to talk to him uh, last weekend. He's a really nice person and a really nice dude and a really credible individual. Be there for Friday's show. It's going to be awesome, man. I'm going to have Steve Jacobson. After I had Nick Pope, after I had Travis Walton on my show, does not get better than this. And soon we're going to be on over on Paranormal TV Network. Now, does that dig in to somebody's mind of what's going on? I dig it. You dig it, brother, because I hope there's another guy who's not digging it, but who's in pain because of it. Oh, yeah. He better be because... uh... He'll be on BTR the rest of his life. Oh, yeah. Enjoy BTR, bro. And not, yeah, not to hate on BTR because I like BTR. No. It's, a it's, a, it's a fun little spot here, but Paranormal TV Network where the big boys play. On Dish Network TV. Oh, yeah. And that's going to be sweet. And we're going to have great shows on there. We're going to deal with serious subjects just like tonight. Uh, if Travis Walton can bless us and be back in our show when we get on there, uh, that would be phenomenal. I'm going to try my heart off to get him uh, back in the show there because, like I said, he's really my favorite guest ever that I've had. Uh, in fact, a month ago I announced it on the show that I wanted to have certain people in December, and he was the number one person on my list uh, just because I'm a huge fan of his case. So, uh, you know, my fulfillment has been done. I got Travis Walton on the show. Uh, I gave myself a birthday gift in a sense. Uh, because it is my birthday at the end of the month. So that was a gift to me, the Jack. From me, the Jack. It's a great gift. It is. It's a great gift. And, man, Travis really brought it out tonight. He's a, a fantastic interviewee. Uh, I mean, it doesn't matter how many times I hear the, you know him speak on the radio. He's phenomenal every time. I mean, he is. And the great thing is his story always stays the same. He's never deviated from his original story, you know, he's never made up others, you know, in events of stuff that, oh, I remember this now, or, no, no, it's been the same story, exactly how he remembered it, and he's passed six lie detector tests. That, and the feedback I'm getting right now, it speaks for, for everything. That's actually that? my hand. <laughs> I'm uh, putting my hand over my uh, phone. Ah. <laughs> uh, and Gwen, I, thank I you so much. Uh, Gwen just said happy birthday, Jack. Thank you, sweetie. It'll be on December 31st, so that's my birthday. So uh, yeah, I'm actually birthday, doing a man. show. Thank you. I'm actually going to do a show on December 31st uh, on my birthday. I'm going to do a show just to be here with all you guys and share on my celebration here on Block Talk Radio with you folks and have a good time here on the road. I'm not going to have any guests. It's going to be just me and you guys the whole night. 
And I mean the whole night. I'm doing a three-hour, or not a three-hour, a three-part show, two hours piece, on my birthday. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Everybody can or as some in. would say, wish you happy birthday. Well, there you go. Well, there you go, brother. <laughs> Remember to join us tomorrow at 10 p.m. for Jerry Pippen. Yeah. Yeah, brother. And well, then there you that, go. Well, you're, you're, wait, hold well, on. You're doing that Pippen at 10 o'clock p.m. or I'm doing Nick yep. at 10 o'clock. Well, I've had Jerry Pippen booked for months, buddy. Then I guess I'm going to have to, uh, <laughs> we'll figure something out. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll call Jerry. We'll figure something out. We'll talk no, hey, after hey. the show. Dude, by all means, Jerry Pippen is, you know, a legend. I know you're super excited to, for that show. So I'll get in contact with Nick Pope, and we'll work something out. You also get in contact with Jerry Pippen. We'll meet somewhere in the middle because we're a team here. So. Yep, we'll talk after the show. We're having a little after party at TalkBox. Uh, I'll drop the link. I'll drop the link in the chat right now. Uh, a few of the members are already here looking at me as the Green Hulk. Yeah, that's so, a green uh, picture, by the way. Yeah, I see that. That's <laughs> pretty funny. By the way, I want to announce the DVD winners, uh, which, you know, we didn't have any callers. We actually had a lot of callers, but we were in the conversation with Travis uh, while the, the switchboard was lit up, so I couldn't get to them because I did announce that I was going to take calls the last 30, maybe 40 minutes of the show. But, uh, Davini, you're one of them. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, you win a free DVD of Fire in the Sky. See, and, and, you know, I could have kept asking questions, man, all night. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one is uh, my good friend, Run Slusher. He also wins the DVD of Fire in the Sky. So both of them are given out. Uh, guys, email me, and uh, you shall get your copy of Fire in the Sky. Sent to you by me, the Jack. All right, okay, I'll, I'll email you. <laughs> you, email, <laughs> you email me too, man. I'll send you a copy to you, my friend. So go for it. Damn it, I'll give up three. don't matter. Tonight I'm excited. I had Travis Weapon on my show. Yeah, man, he's awesome. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, there are so many just questions that that I could just come up with, man. Uh, I was writing them down earlier, and I was like, no, I don't want to bombard him. <laughs> exactly. Him go, you know. Hey, it's Nathan. Nathan, sorry, sorry, I couldn't call in to show my fiance was sleeping. Um, she really wanted to talk to him, but uh, I just wanted to tell you it's Nathan, and 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 you had a good show, buddy. You know what? God bless Nathan, man. He uh, he tries. He called into the other guy's show yesterday, and that was pretty amusing. It really was. But, oh yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you guys heard that? Ooh, man. But listen, guys, we have a little bit under a minute left here, or just about a minute left. I want to thank everybody who showed up to the chat. It was packed tonight. I, I can. Uh, I'm anticipating to look at the ratings later and see how, how many actually listen to the show. Uh, but I want to thank everybody down the list, from Gwen to Laura to Davini to Elmar, A to the K, but the Detox is in the house. Jamie, of course, always in the house with me here. Uh, Return Guidebook in the house. Ufology Noob in the house. Ufanile Radio is in the house. Paranormal Guys in the house. And Back from the Dead, Paranormal 51 is in the house. I thought he had dropped off a planet or something. Welcome back, bro. RD47 in the house, the winner of a DVD tonight. Don from Return Guidebook in the house. Welcome to the show, and thank you for coming by tonight, brother. Cyanide, always one of the best friends we have here on BTR. Thanks for coming out again tonight. Melanie, everybody, God bless you all. Have yourself a good night, and we'll be back on tomorrow. Talk to Nick Pope.
Nick Paul people. Yeah, come join us on Talkbox. And now we're all going to be over in Talkbox. And it's going to be fun. It's going to be stupendous. And with that, I bid you adieu. Peace. God bless. Peace, all.